Hi there, and thanks for joining us. On this week's podcast, we talk about the H-DIP course at UCC that's available for free, the wedding venue in Cork that's pivoted to private dining, and the six Cork women who will fly the flag at the Network Ireland Awards. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to host the Network Cork Awards, from which uh, the finalists are now going forward to the Network Ireland Awards. And anyone who's ever been involved in Network knows it's a big deal for the women involved. So joining me now to talk about the awards themselves and how there's going to be a Cork woman very much involved in the big finale, I'm joined by Louisa Meehan, who's the president of Network Ireland. Louisa, how are you? I'm great, Jonathan. I'm I'm loving all of the award season. It's like a it's like gala dinners all from home. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't have to leave the house, which didn't was something that you you wouldn't have been able to do that in previous years. Um, yeah. For those who are unfamiliar, Network Ireland is a group uh, of business women who are there to support and encourage each other and to provide an added level of enthusiasm for women in business. Is that is that a fair appraisal? <laughs> It is. It is a fair appraisal. It's a network for professional women. So there's a large proportion who are running their own businesses, but we also have women who are employees in SME sector or in larger corporate. So it covers the full spectrum of women in the workplace. And as you say, it is about supporting, engaging and encouraging women in their career journey, whatever that may be. Yeah. And and I think that the way that it's run, it's just a fantastic happy place because you know you go to some of these events they can be quite dire but I've never been to a network event that's been anything other than joyous they are look I think that's one of the things that makes it stand out it's um excuse me it's run by volunteers and what that brings to the table is that every single person that's there really wants to be there is engaged is enthusiastic and you always get a sense of collaboration and support and for me, whilst it is important for my business and it's important for my profile and all of those things that are important for your career, the thing that stands out to me, the thing, the reason that I'm there, the reason that I'm so passionate about it is because I've made friends. I have friends who have common interests, friends who have shared experiences in terms of the work-life balance and the juggle and trying to figure out how to run a business or figure out a career. Um, and it's been a phenomenal level of support and encouragement Uh, outside of my family support network it has been the strongest sort of supporter of my career Mm. over the last decade so it's been a really good thing for me. I mean what has stood out uh, in the Cork awards that I was involved with was they they had to pivot like the rest of society to to allow for the fact that what might have been a very sensible category last year it needs to change for it to be sensible this year for example Linda O'Connell who's the overall winner in Cork she won the award for being the best and most transformative employee um it's it's all upside down every level of business um but I think uh, and correct me if I'm wrong women in leadership roles really have come to the fore in the last couple of months for the level-headed approach. Uh, and and I suppose if you're going to talk to anyone about the merits of remote working, women have been leading the charge on that for quite some time. Oh, absolutely. Look, I'm, I've been working from remotely uh, for the last seven years and because of family situations and family needs. Um, and as you say, we did, you know, back in March, we had launched our awards. We were at, we were doing all of the traditional awards that we would do every year and it was going well. Um, and then 
COVID hit with a proper bang and we sort of pushed it out and come around to May time, uh, myself and along with the branch president presidents throughout the country made a decision to completely pivot. And we scrapped everything, started from the beginning. So it was a phenomenal amount of work to come up with. There are six new categories that really um, complement the year that we've had. So they're all about transformation, change, recognition. Uh, there's been hugely positive feedback uh, from the judges who were involved in the process and from the entrants themselves who got through at a branch level uh, to be a finalist. And then again, the, the national finalists so the overall response from the community has been phenomenal. And we've had record-breaking numbers of entrants this year. You know, in a normal year, you're, you're delighted if you get over 200. And last year, we had over 250. This year, we had over 400 women enter. And every single person that entered talked about our theme, The Power Within, and talked about how they've had to pivot within their own world, which is just, mm. you know, it really blew me away. I was so happy about it. Now, as you know, everything revolves around Cork, Louisa. That's one of the first oh, things you learned as network president, <laughs> even though you do live in Wicklow. Um, you've sought out a very successful woman uh, who's from yes. Cork, uh, someone who I know for many, many years because she just worked with me in a different radio station a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, but she is now in a job that only one other person ever held before as the editor-in-chief of Glamour. Uh, yeah. Samantha Barry is going to be joining you. And again, I'm guessing this wouldn't happen if it wasn't for COVID because you'd have to bring her from New York this way she can be in New York and take part in the ceremony well she was always on my hit list so she she wasn't she wasn't sort of a COVID blow-in but it certainly made uh, getting her to agree significantly easier than it would have otherwise been and luckily Samantha's really good friends with one of my national exec members up here in Wicklow so I had a bit of uh, um, we had a bit of an in in terms of getting directly to her to ask her to, to to step in and to speak for us. But we were working on having her as a speaker back in January. So it has made it a lot easier for her, uh, which is great. And one of the things that we're doing for anybody who books an early bird ticket by Friday of this week is we're sending out a little goodie box to them where we're showcasing some Irish products and I will be putting her goodie box in the post and shipping it all the way over to New York in the hope that she uh, is reminded of home and you never know she might even start to buy some of those products or share the odd little Twitter post if we're very lucky so we'll certainly be engaging with her and, and sharing the full experience with her even though she's remote. Yeah, well, you've also got the likes of Louise Phelan, um, who uh, formerly of PayPal, yeah. but now has her own company, Phelan Energy yes. Group. Keith Barry is going to be there. Adam Harris from the Autism yeah. Support Group, as I am. And loads and loads of others, including yourself. Um, look, it's going yeah. to be a great day. Um, how can people get involved? I mean, as you said, they don't even have to leave the house. You don't have to leave the house. It is a virtual event. So for all attendees, they can attend from home or if they want to do it in you know small pods of two or three where it is safe and in line with government restrictions then that can also work uh, the event is running all day long so people can come and join us for the entire day or we will provide the schedule in the week of the event so they'll know you know when sam is when samantha's on talking or when adam is on talking or caroline casey whoever it might be so they'll know what's going on when it's going on they'll know when the local quirk winners uh, and finalists are coming forward to see if they win at the national level and they can go in and cheer cork on virtually so the way to book is through Eventbrite and the details are on our website, networkireland.ie, and that will link you through to Eventbrite. Or if you follow any of the Network Ireland, uh, various different social media accounts across Twitter, LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, all of the information is, is there as well. Okay. 
Well, good luck to the six Cork finalists and I suppose the rest of them as well. But, uh, you know, they, we might as well just call it now because I know the quality of what's going up there haven't been MC of the Cork event. Oh, sure. uh, it's been a pleasure to talk and, to and you. And there's two Cork. There's, there's, don't forget that there's two Cork uh, branches. So you've got Cork and West Cork. So oh, we've West Cork as well. Yes, of yeah. Don't would you do, do me a favor, Louisa? Don't mention the fact that I forgot West Cork because I'll never live it down. Louisa Bean, uh, president of Network Ireland, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always, and uh, good luck with the awards. We'll talk on the far side of them. Thank you, Jonathan. Red business, all that's best about business in Cork. Now, one of the things the pandemic has given an opportunity to do is to stop and reassess what might be next for you. And there's a course in UCC that is currently open for enrolment that is free or almost free if you are unemployed or indeed looking for work. It's part of a wider state subsidy scheme to help people upskill. With me now from the Cork University Business School is Jeremy Hayes, who is uh, the programme coordinator for this course. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good. Jonathan, how are you? Very well. Uh, Tell me a little bit about this course. First of all, what is it called and who can apply for it? So it's a higher diploma in languages and global software business. And it's aimed at language graduates. So maybe somebody who's got an arts degree in a language or maybe BCom plus a language or, or uh, law and languages. Um, and it's aimed to upskill them in the area of software and sales. Um, so basically, it's kind of a, a, a conversion program for people who might not have done a lot of business or IT in their primary degree so they can get some kind of experience in that area. Now, of course, there are many, many different opportunities. Here in Cork, everywhere in Ireland, we are drawing a lot of this type of IT business who are are looking for language support in a European country. So uh, this is one of those times where you go, there's probably going to be a fair bit of work on the far side of this. Yeah, so there's a huge demand. Um, So I've been teaching sales um, in in the BIS degree for the last four years, and I have a number of uh, guest speakers that come in and every single one of them says there's huge demand for language graduates for inside sales roles. OK, so I suppose we contrast field sales where you actually go out and visit the customer, whereas inside sales is where you're talking to them on the phone or using Zoom or WebEx or whatever it is, um, which obviously is only going to increase now due to COVID restrictions on travel and stuff like that. We we know from having one of the biggest tech, well, the biggest tech company in the world operating out of Cork, uh, the one thing that Apple did was it showed that you could have many people with speaking many different languages working on the one campus in a way that almost would be inconceivable 30 years ago for Ireland. Uh, but a, a lot of the sales that could be done and are going to be done are going to be done by Irish people who have skills in different languages. That's what this course is designed to do. Why are those types of graduates very attractive to employers? Well, I think that, you know, it's, you know, obviously the, there's a huge demand for the languages. I think one of the problems maybe with people coming out, which is a language degree, is they might not have the confidence to apply for those types of roles in business. They might not have, you know, kind of confidence in their IT skills. So I know myself, I was a beneficiary of a similar type of program back in the late 90s. Um, it was a higher diploma at the time in business and financial information systems. And I think the sticker price on that at the time was £5,000 and I paid £650. That's how long ago it was we were talking about pounds. Well, you're, you're talking about pounds. You're showing your age straight exactly. away. But go on. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, because I was applied psychology graduate um, and, you know, I found when I was applying for jobs, um, 
I didn't have an awful lot of, you know, kind of things to write about on job applications, about working in teams, about making presentations, about some of the soft skills and some of the things that, you know, you do in business degrees. So it offered a massive opportunity for me. Um, I learned a little bit about accounting and finance. I learned to code for the first time um, ended up teaching coding for 15 years in the university. You know, so kind of that kind of um, opportunity to upscale into a different area, you know, I think is quite an attractive one for graduates. One of the things that you've done as well is you've made sure that there is a, a base of employers looking for this as well. There's been a lot of interaction with industry. That's what Cubs has done really well since it established itself, is making sure there are great links between the university and the businesses that are operating here. Has that helped you devise the course and uh, make sure that the curriculum matches the expectation, not just of the student, but of the potential employer? Absolutely. So, you know, we've had an awful lot of interest from companies to come in and actually give applied projects to the students. So I think applied learning is one of the kind of the, the key things in Cubs that, you know, we're not just giving them essays and projects for the sake of it. They're actually working on stuff that's, you know, real world value. I think that's a benefit for the students in that they feel, you know, it, again, it gives them stuff to talk about in interviews. They feel they're working on something meaningful, but also it's great for the the, the companies to come in and, you know, basically kind of assess what those students are like, maybe then hire them, you know, in graduate roles afterwards. So we've had a lot of interest in companies to come in and do guest talks, you know, give and assign projects and just basically be involved in the development of the program. Because, again, as I said, there's there's a massive need among mm. companies for this kind of material. And, uh, you know, they're really interested in becoming involved with it. Well, as you've told us already, you were you were counting the confirmation money to do the HDIP that you did back in the day. Uh, but the great thing about this course is that the cost is largely covered because there's a government program specifically set up to to bridge that skills gap. So, uh, what are the criteria for qualification, and and how much would people have to pay for this year long education? So, for this program, you need to have a, a two two degree minimum in a language. Okay. Uh, that's French, German, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, Chinese, Japanese, or Korean. Okay, so there's a broad range of languages there. Um, the price would be €8,000 normally, um, but you can get 90% uh, subsidy from the government and, and up to 100% actually if you're unemployed. So the maximum somebody will pay would be €800. Euros. So again, it's you know fantastic value for you know for a higher diploma level 8 qualification. Yeah. I, it, it, it's the Harvey Norman of education, the way you're describing it, because you, you get to pay uh, a small amount, but you get a hate dip on the back of it and good employment prospects. Jeremy, where can people go and find out more about this? How can they apply? So they can apply on the UCC website. Um, so if they search for HCI UCC, so HCI is a human capital initiative. There's a number of courses, uh, again, in very, very specific areas that the government feels there's skills shortages. So there's other courses in biopharmaceuticals and sustainability, um, innovation and design. Uh, our one is the Higher Diploma in Languages and Global Software Business. They can apply there. It's a CV, um, statement of application, and um, we'd encourage people to get in their applications as soon as possible. Okay, Jeremy Hayes at the Cork University Business School. Best of luck with that, Jeremy, when colleges do come back at the end of this month. And thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Pleasure. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.
Now, we've been talking a lot uh, about the power of the pivot and how businesses faced with huge challenges because their traditional business no longer exists have to do something new to survive. And my next guest is very much in that category. Des McGahan of Balnacurra House in Kinsale. Des, how are you? Very good, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. The last time I was down with you, Des, was at my brother-in-law's wedding. We had a fantastic day, beautiful setting, great location for a wedding, and then COVID, meaning that nobody wanted to have a big wedding anymore, and you were left with a beautifully renovated Georgian house and nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, yeah, very much so. And yeah, thank you for your uh, your compliments. I mean, the funny thing is when the um, downturn happened in 2008, I mean, our whole business uh, strategy then was a private estate for exclusive hire for corporates and, uh, you know, special celebrations. We really weren't looking at the wedding business at all. But unfortunately, we had 30 corporate bookings in 2008. We got wiped out. So we had to do the 2008 reinvention and go into the wedding business. So we charged over on that. And, uh, you know, ironically, um, we obviously became one of the best wedding venues in Ireland. I'm not saying that we won the awards and stuff like that. And I guess the key elements of our offering, why we were different was, you know, the exclusive use. You know, you're enjoying the property by yourself. Uh, Bespoke, you know, four top class chefs, cooked your own food, the privacy, the exclusivity, and the connectivity of, you know, Cork Airport, big city close by but a key element of course is conceal as a backdrop so we had five or six usps that very few other people were able to deliver on to the quality we were plus you know myself and my Mm -hmm. fabulous staff here delivered an incredible product and uh you know we did something different and you know i'm pleased to say we did something different and did it very well but as you just said, the the landscape is pitched and wedding business just got wiped out. We were keyed up to be, uh, I think we had like 70 events in this year from all over the world and a lot from Ireland as well, and total wipeout. And so the whole wedding business has just gone, you know, topsy-turvy, upside down. And I think uh, you can see the trends of what are happening. Um, obviously, numbers is a big issue. And the days of the big 300 people wedding, which we never did anyway. Ours were a bit more, you know, like the 100, 120 bespoke style. Those days are gone. Unfortunately, what we're also facing with the with the the, the dynamic of the wedding business, I, I mean, the good news is everybody wants to still the book our place, but the, the financial realities of a wedding that we used to do for 120 people, now people yeah. are talking 30, 40, 50. And, you know, I'm not... Uh, 70% of our weddings are fabulous, but it's the 30% that kill us. You know, people want to bring in their own food, bring in their own drinks. Uh, You know, we have a wedding for 120 people with all the staff we put in. The margins are so tight. And, you you know, there is a high demand in weddings where, you know, you get three, four hundred emails. People are, you know, there's the emotional surcharge that... Oh, look, come here. I can only imagine how difficult it is for you, Des. First of all, to be dealing with couples whose weddings have to be stopped, not to mention (laughs) the fact everything. But the only thing, I can tell you what a certain amount of confidence that you are going to fly off like a rocket in the second half of 2021 but it's between now and then you have to try and keep the business going so how are you going to do that yeah well actually you know interesting well you know we're still doing some weddings oh yeah sorry just ironically you you know we 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 had uh, weddings that were cancelling us and people have turned around and sued us because of covid you know it leaves a really bad taste in our mouth you know this is not our fault and this is the the way weddings are gone so they want to go small 
But at the end of the day, the economic realities of a small wedding, you know, I mean, if we get a wedding for 120 people, we can make money. But if we have the same wedding for 30 people, there's no margins in it. So we're having to re-look at that whole dynamic as well. And I think the wedding business have to, has to be more realistic as well, that they can't do a wedding for 30 people at this level for a weekend when we can sell the place anyway for a different type of offering, which leads me to... So what is what is that different type of offering, Des? Well, Talk us through it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we had, my, my wife and I, Lisa, had to, and our great staff that we had, we had to brainstorm our, our brains out, whatever was left of it, for the last five months. And we were getting into very intense sort of... Uh, me looking at the business. So we came up with about five or six uh, key sort of uh, offerings, you might say. One was um, the dine and stay option, which is like overnight accommodation and food and whatever. Pop-up restaurants. The pop-up restaurant idea is going fantastic because David Rice, we have a, a world-class Mitchell Standard chef. And the idea of the pop-up restaurant um, is the whole idea. We, we create the food, come and enjoy your food. It's not going in there and, you know, pre-selecting your food or having a big extensive menu. But the idea of what we're offering with the, the pop-ups is that you come on a Friday uh, – and it's very different to a standard restaurant in the sense that we've got a 40-acre private estate. We've got a very you know, unique uh, style offering. One sitting, which is absolutely key because it's not like you know restaurants where they have to do maybe two sittings to get you in and out as quick as possible. So we want to get more of a, you know, an enjoyment factor. Come pre-dinner drinks, enjoy lovely food, and then enjoy the big, you know, the big house, the the, the separate spaces. Lots of you know uh, social distancing can be applied and things like that. The other one that has gone really unbelievable is the private dining room experience. So, you know, because it's a beautiful Georgian house, we have loads and loads of different spaces of rooms. And the private dining room means that you can still come to the property. You can get a bespoke menu. So a special celebration. How, how much will you be able to do in terms of that private dining? And will that get you through, Des, do you think, until such time as the weddings come back? Well, again, I think I, that's a good question, Jonathan. I mean, there's so much uncertainty out in the market. We're, we're doing, as I say, pop-ups, dine stay, special celebrations, the private dining room, and a mix and match of, um, you know, some weddings and things like that. So we, we've, we've done a whole raft of new offerings. And, uh, you know, I have to say, you know, I, I've been using this phrase quite a lot, with crisis comes opportunity. I mean, we, we've been, we've been, the, the, the pop-up restaurants have been going really well. We're doing 30, 40 people uh, a night on, on weekends. The staycation things, the staycations is the, the, the hot big topic at the moment. So we've done pretty good on that as well. There's enough weddings there. Uh, the, the problem we have, you're absolutely right. I mean, we've had 70 weddings cancelled on us and they're all saying, oh, we might book 2022 and 2023. Well, if everybody thinks that they're going to be booking weddings in 2022 or three. There'll be no venues left to book because we need help and support and we need help and support from the government as well uh, to, um, you know, to, to get through this period. Des McGann, I can't wait to get back down to you in Balnacurra House in Kinsale. Uh, maybe not for the wedding, but for something else sometime soon. I wish you and Lisa and everybody else down there the very best luck. Thanks so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank you, Jonathan. My thanks as always to all of my guests. Don't forget, you can download every episode of Red Business from redextra.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer, and we will catch you on the next one. Red Business. All that's best about business in court. 